Welcome to the 2020 Revelation Series broadcast, an outreach of IOM America and the Identity Matters Worldview Institute. Our objective is to provide short media bites with a Christ as Life Worldview. Our topic today is Introduction to the Seven Churches. Greetings, my name is Dr. Stephen Finney and I will be your teacher today. The 2020 Revelation series is a result of many years of Bible study and research. These messages are taken from my book, The Book of Revelation, The Final Battle, which is a 500-page commentary on the topics we will be sharing within this series. We hope that you join us in discovering the not-so-hidden secrets of this least read book in the Bible? Let's take a look at our first video. It's called In the Beginning. And that's exactly where we need to start. Even though that we tend to get caught up in the details of the book of Revelation in the relevant and sometimes irrelevant details of present culture, it all started back even before Adam and Eve were created. And this video will kind of launch these kinds of revelations from its earliest form. Check it out.
The big question, why seven churches? The seven churches are directly in line with the seven spirits that surround the throne. We'll talk about that in just a couple moments. John's greeting is to the seven churches, which are located in Asia Minor. And for those of you who are not familiar with the Asia Minor area, that's basically the area of Turkey today. Even though these were actual churches during the time of John's writing, the seven churches also represent the churches throughout the church age. Every type of Christian represented in the world today falls into one of these seven types. And that's what makes the book of Revelation even more relevant for the church today. Here's a few facts that we need to keep in mind as we begin to disclose some of the details within this book, particularly in addressing the seven churches. The book of Revelation has an individualistic character. Therefore, the writing of John may be misunderstood by a reader who does not understand Hebrew history, culture, customs, and manners. God is consistent with revealing himself in the very manner he did from the beginning of man's time. Confusion oftentimes sets in when Christians attempt to unlock the mysteries of prophecy or hidden things that seem to be contained within these pages. And this cannot be understood by simply human skills revealing historical or even self-perceptive ideologies about this particular book. The symbolism and the dramatic representations are impossible to understand without the supernatural insight offered by the Holy Spirit. God is Hebrew, and it takes the Holy Spirit to interpret the Hebrew foundation of the book of Revelation by bringing the truth to the surface through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Throughout the centuries, many different approaches and methodologies have been used to understand this book. There are four primary methods of interpretation. The first is the Futurist Method. This group views the events stated in the book as immediately preceding the end of the world. It's a little bit of a doomsday kind of perspective of the book of Revelation. The truth of the matter is, the first four chapters are past and present events, while the remaining chapters do actually fall into the futuristic category. Next is the preterist, destructive approach, which interprets the book in light of the destruction of Jerusalem and the fall of the Roman Empire. The third category is the continuous historical method. This approach is much like the Preterist view, but moves beyond the fall of Rome. It is also considered a snapshot view of Revelation. The entire history of the body of Christ in the world, from the era of writing of the book to the final closure of time itself, at least from man's timeline. 
This perspective aligns the church and history accordingly to what is written regarding the most literal tense. The last and certainly not the least is the symbolic approach. This method is the most popular amongst the theologians as a whole. Symbolical interpretation suggests that the eternal truths of the prophecies should be deduced and then applied to day-to-day living. An example would be personal sins. These interpreters read the book primarily to gain personal and or church-related spiritual encouragement, correction, and warnings. They carefully analyze the content in order to benefit themselves. These interpreters oftentimes have a struggle with the prophetic elements of John's writings. This is the primary reason why this group tends to put this book on the bottom of the list when it comes to studying the Word of God. This process is what theologians call revealing and understanding the true character, nature, or meaning of something by ridding it of all mythical and mysterious aspects. In other words, if it doesn't logically make sense, get rid of it. My approach will be to integrate all four types. In Revelation, we find God revealing the future, the destruction, and fall of Jerusalem, pre-terrorist, his continuous history, and his use of symbols contained within the book, all to benefit the bride of his son. For whatever reason, people think that they have the need to categorize fellow believers in order to secure their own personal beliefs. I reject such labeling. God wants us to see, hear, embrace His truth in its entirety. He doesn't want Calvin, Luther, or any other categorical leader to pigeonhole His revelation. What is found in the book of Revelation is far beyond any human mind, any theologian, any well-studied Christian who really has good intent in discovering what the book of Revelation is all about. Unless we were there like John, we have no ability to understand exactly what he was seeing. One of the many eternal blessings connected with the Holy Scriptures is that even though each writing is timeless, it becomes very timely to us. You will not find any other book in the Bible truer of this than the book of Revelation. So consider this. A book written almost 2,000 years ago has hit its mark a hundred percent of the time since the day it was written. Did you know that in order to become a CIA agent in the United States, the candidate must study the book of Revelation, as well as the major prophets of the Old Testament? Why, you might ask? It's pretty simple. Even the secularists know the book is accurate. The book of Revelation is relevant because God is relevant. 
For those of us who are bridal members of Christ, the book is our roadmap, the big picture of where we came from, where we are, and of course, where we're headed. The eternal message of this book is that Christ, our husband, is coming back for his bride. That's the bottom line. After removing us from this mess, he will take matters into his own hands and destroy anyone, man or spirit, who has offended his woman, the church. It won't be pleasant to watch. It will be horrid to hear and grievous to be a part of. For many of them will be our family members and our friends, sad to say. The book was written for the Bride of Christ. It is used to give his bride a heads up so that we can prepare ourselves for the coming of our husband. And of course, that's Jesus. As you go through this study, please be in an attitude of prayer. Ask the Lord to give the understanding you need, that I need, to comprehend this knowledge. There's no better time to understand the power of Christ in you than now. But if you have not had a born-again experience, it will be next to impossible for you to do this study. The Holy Spirit must be present in order to give insight. So if you are one of those listeners who pretty much knows you're not a Christian, have not been filled with the Holy Spirit, you might want to take that step before continuing with this series. Final point on this is that don't be afraid of this book. Consider it a gift from God. It is to give us a snapshot into our future. God loves us so much. He wants you and me to see with our eyes the living proof that He is in charge and that we should not be frightened by sudden fear. He is the great I Am. Even though we're going to be spending a great deal of time talking about the seven churches throughout this series, obviously because the book is written to the seven churches. Today what we need to do is just do a brief, quick overview of each one of the churches. So what I'm going to do is state the church, state the label of the church that has been known throughout the ages, and then I'm going to just briefly give you a statement in regard to what Jesus Christ himself says is this church's strengths, faults, the instruction he gave to them, and the promise that he gave to them. The first one is Ephesus. It was known throughout the ages as a loveless church. But their strengths were that they were hard workers, patiently endured things, and they rejected evil, and they were persevering in the state that they were experiencing unrest at the time that the church was operational. Their faults were you have forsaken your first love, which means they were caught up in the love of the world. The instruction that Christ gave to them was to repent and do the works 
as you did at first, which obviously was loving Jesus Christ. And he was commissioning them to return to their first love. If they did this, there was a promise given to them. He said, you will eat from the tree of life, also known as the tree of love. You can discover the basics of Ephesus by reading Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Our next church is Smyrna, the church of suffering. The strengths of Smyrna was you endure your suffering and poverty, yet you are rich. Their faults? There wasn't a single fault noted by Christ or John in the book of Revelation. The instruction that was given to them was to remain faithful even when facing prison, persecution, or death. And in doing so, the promise was Jesus will give you the crown of life. You will not be hurt by the second death, which we'll discuss later on in our series. Smyrna details can be found in Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Our next church is Pergamum. Church of Worldly Ideologies Even though we will be spending a great deal of time talking about what exactly was going on in Pergamum at the time, if you look at Revelation chapter 2 verses 12 through 17, you will soon discover that this was the throne place of Satan. Pergamum became pretty much the headquarters, the university, that affected and a lot of times infected the other six churches. But they had some strengths, according to Christ. The ones who were able to separate themselves from the throne influence of Satan and Pergamum, they were very loyal to Christ, refused to deny him. But they had faults of tolerating cults, heresies, idolatry and immorality, which happens to be the four biggies that Satan has perfected his deception upon the church. The instruction was very simple. It was to repent. And those who did repent received the promise of hidden manna and a stone with a new name written upon it. Again, the details of Pergamum can be found in Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Our next church is Thyatira, the church of wrong doctrines. Their strengths were they knew the deeds of love, faith, and service. They were very patient and endurance. And they seemed to be focused on constant improvement. Their faults were they tolerated cults, idolatry, and immorality. The instruction that Jesus gave them was, Judgment is coming. Repent. Hold fast. 
until Jesus returns. Those who did that, there was a promise given, Jesus will give you authority over the nations and the gift of the morning star. More details can be found in Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. Our number five church is Sardis, the church spiritually dead. They did have some strengths, though. Jesus said, some of you have kept the faith. It appears that Sardis was a very, very troubled church. Not many within this church had any life to them. In fact, Jesus noted their faults as the church's dead. The instructions that were given to Sardis was wake up, repent, and turn to Christ again. Strengthen what little remains. And those that did that, of course, the promise was faithful will walk with Jesus and not be blotted out of the book of life. Revelation chapter 3, 1 through 6 will reveal more of the details of Sardis. Number six is Philadelphia, the church spiritually alive. This is probably the healthiest church out of the seven. Their strengths were they kept to Jesus' word. They have not denied his name. And thus there were absolutely no faults listed with Philadelphia. The instructions that Jesus gave to Philadelphia was, I have placed before you an open door. I will keep you from the hour of trial. Now we're going to discover this principle throughout our study of the book of Revelation. Is that those who identify with the church of Philadelphia, there seems to be a constant open door that Christ provides for these believers to reach the world. We'll talk more about that later in our series. But those who maintain the true health of Philadelphia, the promise was given, I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. Pillars are a huge, significant symbol noted throughout the book of Revelation. And this promise that is given to the people of Philadelphia is huge. Revelations chapter 3, 7 through 13 helps us see some of those details. Number seven is the church of Laodicea. This is the church of complacency and lukewarm people. The strengths were none. They had no strengths. Their faults were neither hot nor cold. You rely on riches, but don't realize your wretched condition. The Church of Laodicea is probably associated today with the church that is classified as the post-truth church, the lukewarm church. Many denominations are associated with Laodicea. We'll spend more time talking about Laodicea and the church era that the church of Laodicea is in today. The instructions that Jesus gave Laodicea was turned from your indifference. 
and repent. And those that did, the promise was given, I will invite those who overcome to sit with me on my throne. I believe the people of Laodicea that truly return and refuse to be indifferent anymore are a very select group, a very special group. Again, we'll spend more time looking at the details, but right now you can look at the basics in Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22. These churches represent periods of time clearly defined in both secular and Christian history. The seven churches were emptied of Christians when the first president of Turkey originated the Louisiana Treaty, although I must admit it wasn't much of a treaty. The Treaty of Louisiana, July 24, 1923, was a peace treaty that settled the Anatolian part of the partitioning of the Ottoman Empire. This caused purging of the Christians from the territory. And due to the Islamic cultural protection rights that were written into this treaty, all Christians had to be removed from this country. Again, we're going to spend more time talking about the relative historical elements to purging Turkey of any of the leftover members of the seven churches. And this is a significant part of the continuous history that is unfolding right now in our news today. In regard to the war between the sons of Ishmael and the sons of Isaac. More later on that. Well, before we go, I want to tell you a little bit about our next lesson coming up. So this whole big deal we're making about the number seven needs to be explored. You know, the seven churches, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven personages, the seven veils, the seven spirits, seven dooms, and the seven new things. Seven seems to be a big number to God. Six is the number of man, one mark short of perfection. And the Lord God worked for six days and rested on the seventh. This is why man labors in vain to discover God. No works can be accomplished to enter God's rest without Christ. Thank you for joining us today and just doing a quick review of unlocking the prophecies stated in the book of Revelation in regard to the seven churches. There's so much more that we need to talk about in regard to these seven churches, but we're going to take our time in aligning them with the other seven items that I just mentioned to you. This is a very significant part of the book of Revelation. If people don't take the time to understand the seven churches, they cannot understand all these other seven sections of elements of prophecy, so therefore they cannot truly be a part of the unlocking of the power of prophecy related to the book of Revelation. 
We thank you for joining us today. We hope you take a couple moments and click on that subscribe button. You can get in touch with us anytime. You can send us snail mail at P.O. Box 71, Sterling, Kansas, 67579. Or send me a personal email at corporate at iomamerica.org. Or maybe you just want to check us out on our website at www.iomamerica.org. Text us at 602-292-2982. We would be more than willing to chat with you. Until next time.